won't stop firing. I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green, like literally green. My last nav check put me on the range point four. This is control. Be radio. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency. Greetings Sits and Sibs, you're tuned to the Guard Frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 91 and was recorded on October 2nd and made available for download October 6th at guardfrequency.com. I'm Lennon. I'm Tony. And I'm Jeff. What do we have this week, Jeff? This week we're skipping Squawk Box and Nuggets to turn the mic over to you, our loyal listeners, for yet another Guard Frequency call-in show. For those of you who couldn't make it, fear not. We'll be tuning into the feedback loop from time to time during the show to let you join in on the conversation. Sits and Sibs, you can help us bring you more of the show you love by visiting our website, guardfrequency.com, and clicking on the Patreon button. For the low, low price of a buck twenty-five an episode, you can become a backer and get access to the unedited recordings of the show a whole three days before our Tuesday release. Of course, we're happy to share our labor of love with you each week free of charge, but it's nice to get the occasional concrete reminder that folks out there in the verse love listening to the show as much as we love making it. Thanks to everybody who's already chipped in, and we hope you consider making a regular contribution. The more support we get, the better show we can make. And that takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get on with the show and open up the phone lines and see what you have to say. All wings reporting. Roger that, Millie Vanilli, Chili Willie. Our first guest this evening is, indeed, Benu. Hey, Benu, how you doing? I'm doing good. And yourself? Doing all right. You're on the air with uh, Jeff and Lennon and me, and uh, we're just going to just start right off by saying, the mic is yours, man. What's on your mind? Well, thanks for having me on. Just following up with the community question. I'll be honest, DS has always kind of tripped my BS filters, just with the way he talks and the things that he says and the fact that he really never has any references to back up what he says. And I'll be honest with the big long letter that Chris just put out. I mean, it's really sad how much his family's kind of got dragged into this and the stuff that's being put out there about them. That's just not right. I really wish he'd just go away. We've been wishing that too for a couple months here now. And how many, how long ago, how many shows ago was it that we just sort of like dismissed him? Oh, shows that um, like those four. Yeah. Yeah. We, we said, yeah, he's, 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 we're going to get back to this guy once he actually like does something. And I made the unfortunate error of specifying what that something would be. And he actually went and did it. I'm like, oh, crap. (laughs) Since that time, there have been a number of, shall we say, developments that have only served to amplify rather than deaden the things that he has said. And that is unfortunate. Uh, That's unfortunate. That's all I'm going to say for now, because I have a feeling we're going to be getting into this a lot this fine evening, which is fine. It's, I'm opening, we're opening the mic up to you guys, and if what you guys want to talk about, that's what we're going to talk about. But I'll leave it there for now. And, 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 and Lennon, 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 what, what do you think? Yeah, on the Derek Smart shoot, yeah. Um, I agree with Benu. It is a shame that his family has been dragged into it. i got to be careful how I word this now. So with, with the best possible intentions and, and without prejudice to anybody... I feel that the way that CRG and Chris in particular have handled the Sandy issue, she's been put more in the firing line than anybody else, but I think that's partly their responsibility as well. But I think if you there's like a line, and 
it's quite clearly drawn that you don't go dragging people's kids into the whole thing, regardless. Uh, I should probably explain, for those who are unaware, the uh, issue about Chris and Sandy being married has been somewhat verified by the fact that Sky Roberts who is uh, Sandy Gardner's daughter, has an IMDb profile because she's also an actress, despite you know being two years old. Yeah. And you could make the argument that it's a public profile, so anybody could have gone and found that out and presented it, but I feel that the way in which it's been done, which has been purely this vendetta that DS has against Sandy to drag that out and parade it, that just felt a bit dirty, really. But... Having said that, like we were saying last week, the unfortunate thing is that every now and then he hits a nail on the head, which kind of then casts a bit of a shadow of doubt over how much of his claim is actually false versus how much is actually true. You know, originally we thought it was a few specks of gold. Well, now they're looking to be more like nuggets of gold rather than just flecks. So There's still the, an entirely too large amount of gravy. There is, yeah. There yeah. is, there is, which kind of then sort of nicely brings me around, I think, to uh, Benno. Have you seen the article in The Escapist? I'll be honest. I've only read the stuff on the Star Citizen website about it. I really don't want to click on it because I know that gives them ad revenue. All right. Fair enough. Jeff, your, your opening statements, uh, Mr. McComb. Well, I thought about this long and hard, and really, what do I care if Sandy is married to Chris? It's not like they denied anything. No, they just never, you know... He never goes, this is my wife, this is, you know, and she never goes, my husband, Chris. So what? It doesn't impact me any way. It shouldn't impact anybody else. I've said it before and I've said it again. The more we feed this guy, the more he he remains in the spotlight and the more he's going to do because of it. If this guy just went quietly away, we probably would never, he never would have gone forward with a lawsuit and so on and so forth if we just ignored him. I know there's a lot to take in. There are all people that always have an opinion about something. that We want to express it and make ourselves heard. But honestly, this guy is just, I mean, if you don't feed the shadow, the shadow never grows. Yeah, but he strikes me as the sort of personality that's just not going to go away. I don't know whether he truly, really believes in his heart of hearts or has some sort of weird compulsion to kind of chase this and chase this and chase this. He's not going to let go. Well, and let the courts figure it out. I mean, they've he's initiated a lawsuit. Let no, the lawyers no, respond. No, hang on, hang on. Not yet he has Okay. Yep, not yet. Okay. Well, he's he's not initiated a lawsuit, but he's, you know, got he's done the groundwork. The chop- yeah, he's done the groundwork. Yeah. So, if it goes to that, let him let the courts figure it out. I can't impact that anyway. I just want to concentrate on my game. The game I know that will come out. The game I know that will, you know, that we will play. When that happens, I don't know. And I will get upset over lost timelines just like everybody else. How about CitizenCon, then? What do you guys think they're going to show? I'm guessing it's something about Squadron 42. Oh, yeah, I sure hope so. I, I, I have to agree with you. I, I, I think they're nailing down the final pieces, and I think that they're going to at least get the, on the first episode, not the whole game, just on the first episode, and I think we're going to see some of it, or a lot of it. To tie in some of the allegations and accusations and criticisms etc cetera, etc cetera, that have been sort of tossed around you know a lot of hype and guff about what's been happening is over the alleged moving goalposts of the timeline and when you can get refunds and the promises made to the kickstarter people versus the promises made to the later crowdfunding people if they can deliver a 10 episodes or 
10 levels or 10 chapters or whatever you want to call it of Squadron 42 by the end of the year, that will be substantially in compliance with the original Kickstarter thing. The, the, the guff is it was supposed to be released in November 2014. And if you didn't get that, if the, if the game wasn't released, you know, the, the original sort of Kickstarter promise of the Wing Commander sequel wasn't released by November 2015, you'd be entitled to a refund. Well, you know, give them a little wiggle room, and that's December 2015. And if they can have that out, that criticism goes away. That criticism of, you know, you've moved the goalpost and you change your terms of service. You, you show them, for, you show them 10, level, 10 levels of Squadron 42, I think that criticism di- dies on the vine. Showing cool stuff makes a lot of the problems go away. But they're also in kind of a bind just because, like, FPS, it almost has to be perfect now. It almost has to be a completely polished game to release it. Otherwise, it's like, really? We waited for this? Yeah, and and, and yeah, that's the thorn, right? That's the Achilles heel. It's got to be good. But on the other hand, even if it's buggy, better than nothing. So, I mean, that, and, and, and hell, I asked Chris about this in our interview with Next Great Starship. I said, look, you know, th- there's the constant tug between does that need to be polished or does it need to be okay and you can patch it. And in June of 2014, he told me, yeah, I'm better at letting the baby go. He said, I'm better at it. Here's the test. You can either quiet some of your critics by maybe taking a chance on something that ain't perfect, but getting it out there to, showing, to show people that most of it works and we just have to... F- nail down a few more bugs or polish it a little bit more or you can can keep playing the delay game and just feed more fire i mean just when earlier was good don't feed the trolls but also don't give them any reason to be credible don't score any goals on your own team yeah and that's that's what it largely is about i think it's i think the other problem that you're going to have though is that derek smart for example hasn't actually played any of the modules or anything like that he's refusing to do so well Um, hang on hold on Hold on. He went on his little thingy to say that he's been borrowing accounts from other people. I don't know how that's any better, and there's no way to verify it. Sorry, He says that he's been borrowing other people's accounts. Isn't that a violation of the terms of service? Yeah, but since when does that matter? Oh, wait, the terms of service. That's supposed to be in a really important legal document that you can rely on for things. Oh, I'm so confused. You see where the problems start going here. For every, you know, we can't, none of this is verifiable on either side. Nobody has any access to the stuff that can be verified on either side. EIG says you never logged in. Smart says I've got two alt accounts and seven other friends who let me log in for him. Let me log in on that thing. Okay. I don't know who's right. Nobody knows. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, the point that I was trying to make was that even look at the Arena Commander 2.0 demo that was done. There's, you know, still people that are saying that doesn't actually show progress, that there's nothing to that, that that is all just sort of a fabrication by CIG to make it look like progress is being made because no way could the game be made and various things like that. So I think even releasing anything short of the actual game at this point is not going to do anything to silence the critics. Yeah, we've, we've got to see some levels, get it into the hands of alpha testers, broken or not, punch it out. Oh, no, I, I'm I'm saying like one stage further than that because... Oh, really? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, look at Derek Smart's original angle is that he was promised the completed game by November 2014. If we're talking about going into Alpha December 2015, that means completed game not until 2016 minimum. This is where it all gets weird and CIG shot themselves in the foot on a couple of occasions. Okay, I'm confused. Yeah, I know. It's very confusing because you have to piece up, you have to peel apart every little angle on this. But but fortunately for everybody here, we've got the spectrum here on the show. We've, we've covered this before. Jeff, golden ticket holder, right? You were promised a game by November 2014, right? I was. 
you were. I don't remember that part. All I remember and what I got excited over and why I backed was that Chris Roberts was making a Wing Commander-like game. I and didn't care when it came out. The details really didn't matter to you, right? No. They still don't, really, right? They don't. For, for, the, for don't. the large I, number I, of backers, that's the case. I, I have my ups and downs. I, I you know, The cost of some ships just send me <laughs> up the, you know, screaming wormhole, and, and, and then I see something really, really cool that's like, Oh, I can't wait for that to happen. Yeah. You know, but that's the nature of, right. of why we back, you know. Exactly. I, I've been involved in this. I mean, and I brought this game up before. I, back in, in 1999, I was involved with a beta called Jumpgate. You know, and it, it went way over when it was supposed to release. I, I remember it released and, and you know what? The game ran for 10. It had loyal followers for 12 years. And, and people were not satisfied even when it was released. I want to go back to Lennon's point about releasing a complete game. Releasing a complete game does not guarantee that the naysayers will shut their mouths because they won't. There'll be something wrong. Nobody is ever going to be satisfied, ever. Right, but they may not be satisfied, like, artistically or, like, you know, like, they didn't live up to my vision. But what was promised in the original Kickstarter and the terms that you agreed to, Jeff, when you clicked the little button were that you would have a game by November 2014, or 12 months later, you'd be entitled to a refund. No questions asked, you would just get your money back. Now, But the game that you pledged for was Wing Commander 2015. Right. That, or 2014, right. I guess, at that point. Wing Commander 2014 is the game that you pledged Basically for. Basically right? Squadron 42, yeah. Right. And not even Squadron 42 as it's envisioned now, but Squadron right. 42, like, 10 or 15 missions. Like, right. we'll build these 10 or 15 missions, and if people love it back when they only wanted a couple million bucks. If people love it, we'll make more. We'll have the infrastructure there to make more. That was the concept then. And then, of course, in the intervening time, it all went, it blew up. But that was the idea back then. So my point is, to anybody that's listening out there and wondering what exactly is going on, and we, we, said, we said this months ago on the show, if they can get Squadron 42 out the door by the end of the year, that is back on track. That's substantially complying with the timeline they put out back in Gamescom. Well, that's exceeding it, in my interpretation. That's what was promised early on didn't include all the cinematics that he shot already. Well, and let's let's be frank here. You may not get so, some of those cinematics. But again, but that's not what was promised. And that's where I start to get into this, the letting the baby go polish thing. Get it out the door. It may not be perfect. It may not be what Chris Roberts had sort of envisioned. It may not be like his grand idea this first iteration, this first go, he may not be satisfied with it. It may not live up to some people's expectations, but it will satisfy the contract and it will get people into the mood of thinking, well, they haven't been wasting all of the money. It's here. You ha you see the progress. You see what's going on. It ain't perfect, but that's why it's a work in progress. It's not done. And if the Kickstarter people then want their money back, well, then it's a question of judgment. Well, you wanted a game that was like this, and it wasn't quite what you expected, but it was released within the time frame, and it was a Wing Commander-esque sequel. It's not perfect, but it might be good enough. Benu, uh, before we let you go, is there anything else you want to talk about? Just like the show, and thanks for having me on. Keep on keeping on, and don't let Derek Smart get under your skin. I really don't think he's got anything. I will tell, but thanks for calling in, Benu. Appreciate it. 
Right, well, I guess it's time to look at a little bit of listener feedback in between the uh, the callers. So let's start with uh, the community question last week was in less than or equal to 100 words, everybody's take on the Derek Spark drama, and we had a lot of feedback. Oh boy, did we. So starting at the top and working our way down, Ryan clocks in at 29 words and says, Derek's lawyer states Smart is willing to pay for the audit. Why do I not think he'll pay for anything more than his own lawyer to look through it? Well, you have to have the audit first. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I actually think anybody who thinks that he won't pay for it, I don't underestimate how far this guy will go. Look at what he's done so far. If he's come out and said he's willing to put that mu- sort of money down, you can pretty much guarantee he's going to put that sort of money down. Yeah, it, 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 would, it would be a mistake to underestimate his willingness to uh, ruin people's fun. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, Bobsled624, uh, we're going to give him a bit of leeway here. He has a 45-word opening comment and a 100-word response. Uh, he says, first of all, great show as always, and I'm right there with you guys on the whiskey glass. That thing looks freaking epic. Also, I want to extend my heartfelt apologies to Jeff. I can't believe I misspelled your name when offering you a compliment. That's quite all right. People do it all the time. I've had it all my life. Uh, he then goes on to say, So, I have to say, the more I look into this, and yes, unfortunately, read Mr. Smart's missives, I'm thinking that there's partial blame to throw back to the Star Citizen community on this. Mr. Smart does not like how Chris and his senior managers are running the project, so playing devil's advocate for the time being, there's some evidence from former employees to support this, including a former artist's rant on LinkedIn, and I think it's safe to say that we only see the positive side from CIG, and there may be some credence to Mr. Smart's grievance. Four words left. Yes. I love this feedback in so many ways. First of all, he gives a shout out to First First Problems Art on our episode with the yes. devil and the buddy Jesus. So, yep. you know, high five there. Uh, and then he gets his credence to a grievance. That's like, that was beautiful. That's just, that's just smooth. And then he, he, he uses the last four words to say four words left. Yes. This, 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 this feedback is art just by itself. So well done, yeah. Bob Slot 624. Well done. Well done. So what do you think on the note where he says that the Star Citizen community uh, are a little bit to blame on this whole thing and how CIG are only ever spinning the positive side? That's the confirmation bias stuff we talked about last week. It, it's a dangerous thing for anybody in any walk of life in anything that they're passionate or excited about. That's why you have to constantly remain on guard for it. Remain on the guard? You have to stay on the guard. you got to you got to stay on the guard. you gotta, you got to keep an ear on the guard. That is right. <laughs> You know, I look at this as a as a public company. You know, we're not talking to, about Verizon. We're not talking about, uh, you know, the local power company. You know, everybody runs their companies the way they see fit. Employees either like it or dislike it based on their experience. All right. So our next caller is Catro. Welcome to the show, Catro. Thanks for having me on. Obviously, last week's community question was in response to the Derek Smart drama that's been happening but you're free to talk about whatever you like so tell us what's on your mind uh, i'd like to talk about the endeavor and the science uh pods and uh specifically i guess what i was kind of wondering about was the level of detail they're planning for being able to kind of inspect comets and planets and jump points and all sorts of different things you know how big are these worlds actually going to be these maps the maps themselves are supposed to be huge what I think is going to be interesting is the how they plan to connect those sort of scans with the procedural generation, right? Because all these things are supposed to be voxels. They're supposed to you know, be seeded algorithmically, and that equation or whatever they program into the background should be generating these things. So unless and until 
someone in an endeavor like ship sort of runs up and runs a scan on these things, they should probably just be blobs. And then when you hit the scan button, that procedural generation should algorithmically say, this thing is 40 meters by 20 meters, it's uh, 200 tons, and it has this spiffy mineral on it. You know, I think that is going to be where the real gameplay element of you know discovery meets the back-end design structure of how exactly are we going to determine where stuff is and how the players can you know access it and then acquire it and then turn it into something that has gameplay value like you know space bucks or whatever. So I, I think that's the part that I think is really interesting, and I hope that the design team uh, you know gets gets that done. Yeah, I guess I, I saw the the whole video they had about the comet, and I was just kind of thinking about how difficult it was going to be to just kind of pick a random point in space and then have them try and generate some type of asteroid field or comet or anything. But I guess that makes a lot of sense what you're saying, where it would be some type of blob, and you're, you'll yeah. have to go out and identify it. Yeah, I mean, a blob doesn't take up a lot of server overhead, right? Right. And mm-hmm. as soon as you resolve that blob into the mineable stuff, presumably that should generate npc missions it should generate pc missions it should become an activity center right and then it justifies having that server expense of building and maintaining it because it's a gameplay zone now but it's not a gameplay zone until somebody reduces it to that yeah i also think that it would be quite cool to get the endeavors the ones with the science modules to work alongside the ones with the telescope modules because they'll probably be able to actually scan and find all of these anomalies and so forth you know, if you think about how we would do it here yeah. on Earth, we'd kind of point Hubble, probably, in a, in a rough direction, see what's there, and then go out and find. So I would imagine uh, that the gameplay would work somewhat similar. Wasn't it uh, said somewhere that, I think it's next week, Tony Zerovec's going to do a big post on how science works, isn't he? So that should be quite cool to, to watch. I did like how, though, the generic, you know, what does this bay do? It does science! What kind of science? Science. Sciencey science. Yes, science, Mr. White. Yes, science. Exactly. Loved the genericness of that. That just made me laugh. Yeah, so, Keitra, what are your thoughts on the Endeavor as a whole? Is it a ship that you're purchasing, or have you already purchased one? I'm going back and forth. I've spent a lot of money on this game so far, and I think the Endeavor is going to be something I'm going to work towards in the game. I think it would be something fun to kind of build a group of friends in the game that are really invested in it and kind of have that be the end goal and you know something to work towards and enjoy once you get it yeah this is the the 69 camaro that you you know get at a junkyard and you and your buddies are gonna you know restore it yeah and i think there's just a lot of there are too many unknowns right now i mean a lot of people i see are going for the the hangar module and and the biodomes and things like that but i think until we the game mechanics really get nailed down it's a big ship, and it's a lot of money to kind of go for it. But, I mean, I, I wish I, I could get one. I think it's going to be a, a lot of fun playing it. I, I, see, I see your point really strongly on the whole waiting till the mechanics are worked out because this is, I think, the first explicitly plug-and-play ship. It has no sort of real strong predefined role in and of itself. It is whatever you want to make of it because you can. it's specifically designed to be whatever its modules allow it to be. So until you get into the game, experiment with the game mechanics in some smaller ships or, you know, by yourself, find a group of like-minded friends who say, we should do this on a grander scale, let's get an Endeavor. Or, you know, you get an Endeavor and we'll chip in to help you build the modules or whatever. I, I think this is more of a, of a quest. This is a quest ship more than anything else. 
one of the things is I'm curious about the science back end. Are they going to make up the data as they go, as you come across these comets and other anomalies in space, uh, planet data? I mean, there's a lot about our universe that we don't even know yet. And, you know, we're just now discovering, you know, planets at 90 light years away and other uh, space objects. So I'm I'm really curious in how they're going to mimic that data um, that you're going to collect. I think um, for the planets, a lot of them are going to be sort of handcrafted, like the ones that have bases on them, right? Those will be artistically concepted out, and probably someone's drawn some rough continent outlines or whatever. But I think the stuff that we discover, asteroids, comets, you know, maybe some small moons of, of planets, perhaps, those will just be, like I said, cooked into the procedural generation part. They won't be real until somebody finds them. And when they do, it's comets, it's dust, it's... They can just sort of make it up as they go. You know, even like uh, Elite Dangerous, who goes to great lengths to make their star maps accurate, as so far as we know, once you get out past a certain distance, it's all just sort of a red fuzz. And so they just sort of statistically model where the stars should be or where they could be based on the data. And that, and that, that same sort of conceit would work in Star Citizen, too. Yeah, I mean, I guess what I'm really hoping is that you could be in one system and have your telescope pointed somewhere, you know, kind of do what the Kepler satellite does and see, you know, the light differential with a a planet eclipsing another sun and then eventually, you know, find a jump point to that system. I I guess that's what I'm really hoping would be the end game. I, what I did find uh, curious about the Endeavor, and I'm glad you brought the Endeavor up because um, I think it's a very cool ship, was the hospital ship or the Hope package. This thing's got a mini landing bay and a full hospital suite. I'll tell you, for us as an organization, this is very, very cool, but there's no way I'm going to lay down that kind of cash for it. This is going to have to be an in-game earn. For our organization, this would be a great sort of team goal, right? Right. If, if we wanted our mobile hospital ship, not just little ambulances, this would be a fun thing for us to get together and do. Yeah, what do you uh, think of the uh, the modules, Catro? Do you have any specific feelings on uh, selling modules versus selling variants? I, uh, I personally, I think I prefer the variants. I didn't back super early, but I've been in this for about a year, and I think my first ship was the Constellation, and then a few months after I got it, the, the variants came out for it, and I was really excited and happy that I picked up a, a a phoenix variant although I'm, I'm not sure about the hot tub i'm hoping that can be changed out for something like a <laughs> a plush leather sofa or something but uh yeah i mean well I, I you think can the gift it you can gift better. the whole thing to me and I'll, I'll gift you mine and then you can start over and pick out what you want because uh, i've been waiting for them to do that sale again i think it'll come around again but i'm gonna hold on to mine for now <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think I like the variants a little better just because uh, the modularity is really nice, but I think people get a little bogged down about, by picking and choosing and trying to make, you know, little pocket carriers here and there. And I, I just think the game overall is going to be a lot more fun when there's certain ships that really specialize in certain roles and and you kind of have to work to get that ship kind of like, you know, like you said, the Endeavor was a quest ship or having, you know, work it up towards an Orion or... You know, not having one ship that that fulfills many roles in general. All right, Catro, thanks for calling into us, and we're going to give you the last word. Thanks for having me on. That's it. This is your chance to rant at us. We're not. <laughs> we can't rant back. I like you guys. I, I listen to you every Tuesday while I'm at work, so I can't really rant too much at you. Well, I can't top what you just said at all. So, thank you, sir. We appreciate it. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you around the verse, man. All right, see you in the verse.
All right, let's get back into feedback. We hear from Astrino with 73 words. Love your show, guys. I think your idea of creating stockholders to hold CIG accountable is a smart choice. However, company owners are far more likely to find other sources of funding over selling off company ownership. That is, after all, why Star Citizen was is a crowdfunded game and not funded by a publisher. It affords creative freedom to CIG that I'm afraid will be lost if the company is forced to take this path. Well, it's not force. We're not forcing them to take the path. We want them to voluntarily come to it. And... The consultant's plan was a simplistic one, you know, just the broad outlines. But there are lots of ways that the current owners of CIG or RSI, however you want to do this, can still maintain a significant ownership stake, but it just has to be, it has to allow for supervision. And it's really, you know, again, it's not good radio to go into all the details of it, but the idea would just be that there would be a layer of accountability that is independent of the management of the company broad strokes that's what that's what i think should happen and i think it would solve a lot of people's problems everybody yammering on the internet about oh chris roberts and he you know he's great recreative visionary but he you know can't manage well okay maybe you're right maybe you're wrong but if there was a board of directors that was charged with overseeing that he would have somebody that he have to answer to not a publisher not somebody that has 14 other games to worry about and streams of revenue and you know, has to, you know, make the marketing budget and the distribution and get out. No, 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 Just people who the, their only interest is getting the game done. This game, this one game, that's it. That's the difference between having to answer to a publisher and having to answer to a board of directors. I, I think that uh, there might be other ways they can do that with and still avoid that situation. They could outsource various different things that they shouldn't have to manage. Uh, they can outsource HR, for example. You know, where, where it takes that complexity and, and level and then that responsibility out of their hands. Just focus on the game. You know, everybody screams bored and, and, and there are advantages to that. But, you know, the whole thing about crowdfunding this game is that it's a crowdfunded opportunity here. It'll make history as being one of the largest uh, crowdsourced uh, ever. And if you put a board in front of it, then they've got all their ulterior motives like, you know, profitability you know there, there might be content cut because of it there's all kinds of things that that a board would leave, i think leave a bad taste in our mouths overall well that's entirely possible but i don't think we're ever going to find out but flint nefario comes in with 138 words that i cut down to 100 words because it was just too good to pass up he says remember the movie top gun how about this quote maverick you just did an incredibly brave thing what you should have done was land your plane Tony, if I ever need a lawyer, I'm hiring you because you do tell us what we should do, but Top Gun would have been a lame movie if Maverick was the type to land his plane. To bring it back to Star Citizen, Chris was playing Wing Commander and he was about to win, but he tried to go for a head-on kill on the last ship and died in a blaze of glory. So his point, Jeff, I think, sort of dovetails with yours that we want Chris to take chances and we want him to push the envelope and most of the people that backed did so in the full knowledge that he's gonna push the envelope and the envelope sometimes tears is that fair to say yeah i mean crowdsourcing is a gamble in itself nobody guaranteed anything i mean it's a bunch of people that have the similar uh, similar likes and dislikes and and we all got together and said yeah chris you go for it here have five bucks it's not a guaranteed Next up on our call list is a guy probably familiar to most of the Star Citizen community. He goes by the name of Kin Shadow. Welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, guys. How's it going? We're yeah. good, man. How are you doing? Good to hear from you again. I'm doing good. You know, I'm always trying to stay busy and uh, stay positive. 
<laughs> staying busy and staying positive. Well, that's why we're turning the mic over to you, because I am the enemy of fun this week. That's why we're having you on the show. <laughs> well, it's glad to be here. It's, uh, it's good to be uh, heckling you directly rather than, you know, on the sidelines via forum posts. You know, if there's one thing I do appreciate, it's direct heckling. <laughs> you know, I like I like it when the when the heckling is aimed squarely at us, when the identities are known, when the heckling is of high quality, which I expect from you, sir. I expect I, high quality heckling. I will try to bring the heckling bar up a little bit. Very good, very good. So Mike is yours, sir. What can, what can we do for you? Well, you know, I, I don't know. I've got opinions on everything. So, what would you like to hear first? No, don't don't you put this on us, man. Don't don't <laughs> you don't do we, do we we turn the mic over. Our, like I said, expect the he, the heckling bar is set high. You must bring your A game, sir. Bring the A game. All right. Um, well, let's stay on like a, a positive note first and talk about Endeavor again. I don't know. Uh, yeah. You guys talk too much about that. Oh, uh, we can always talk more. Believe, as Lennon and Jeff will tell you, the trick is getting me to shut up. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I think I think the great thing about the Endeavor is that we can now tell everyone that's asking for a pocket carrier that they have it and they don't need to ask for another one. Yes. I wondered when that was going to come up. I wondered if we'd be talking about this. I, and not only is it a pocket carrier, it's a mobile spawn point. I mean, really. I mean, it's like yeah. it's two good things in one. Uh-oh. Are you accusing this of being overpowered? No, I don't think it's overpowered. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what else is going to be allowing spawning and thing. I think that's a that's a big unanswered thing because, you know, a lot of other ships have medical facilities. Is do you have to have like this huge thing in order to allow the mobile spawning or will like, uh, you know, Idris's and Corvettes and things like that allow it to? I think that's a big open. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that that they didn't talk about at all, though, was, well, they kind of hinted at like the whole defensive module thing, but they didn't really give you any details. And I think that's going to be really interesting for people that want to use the use this same ship for uh, more tactical support purposes, too. Right. Mm -hmm. If you have like two um, two defensive modules and then the, the hangar module, is that actually a formidable force for you to go I don't know, pirating in or whatever else the case yeah. may be? Well, um, you know, it, it just raw numbers that they've been tossing around all subject to change, of course, because it's still in development. But I think what I saw, correct me if I have it wrong, is that the hangar thingy might carry maybe four small ships. They said they said two cutlasses or at a max four small. Right. And that would put it on par with what the landing bay of the Idris would carry. And it's about the same size, so that kind of makes sense. It's it's half the size, but it, it uh, well, it's 60-some-odd meters, and the Idris is the length of the ship, right, which is mm -hmm. is 200 and then, you know, minus bits on the end, really. Yeah. But but it puts it on uh, the, the, the pocket carrier analysis or trying to make it like a, a, a civilian warship, it would, it would make it not any tougher than an Idris, I think is where I'm going. With oh, that. no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. Idris, Idris guns would waste yeah. it. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a comparison to an Idris, but it is like the, it's like the poor man's Idris to a degree. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. If you were going to like, you know, like the A-team, like you they're going to turn like a, a van into a tank. <laughs> that's, that is, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. I thought so. That's why I said it. <laughs> you brought up some interesting points that I hadn't considered, but uh, I, I wonder if there's going to be uh, mechanics. I mean, I mean, guard frequency is a non-combat of, you know, we, so I wonder if there's mechanics in which to prevent being a focal point of, you know, they're spawning from the ship, you know, we got to go shut that ship down. <laughs> but, oh, uh, yeah. It, it, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it will yeah. be a tactical um, issue trying to find out where their spawn point is and whether they have a carrier next to their spawn point and things like that. Right. But if their spawn point is a mini carrier. Well, <laughs> yes. I think, yeah. 
But yeah, like if, for instance, if you get a hold of a bangle or something like that, will that allow you to spot inside the bangle too? Yeah, I think they're gonna have to tie it to like components, right? Like if you have a if you have a landing bay and a medical bay, like then you bed. have the ability to both rescue escape pods or you know downed pilots and revive them. I think they would have to sort of tie it to your ship's capabilities. You know, a cutlass doesn't have a landing bay; it only has maybe the ability for a medical bay. So maybe that's not a, a spawn point. But anything big enough right. to have a ship land inside and you can close it off from the vacuum of space so you could theoretically then transport an injured person to the medical bay, you know, that kind of thing. I, I would like to see that. It'd be tied to your ship's capabilities rather than some sort of arbitrary, this ship can, this ship can't. It would be nice if you customize a variety of ships, both uh, military and not, for the same purpose, other than just this one ship. And, uh, but it'll need to be a, a nice trade-off, just like this ship has to. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. One thing that I am wondering, though, is do you think with the Super Collider, we'll be able to sort of, I don't know, possibly overload it, and then you've got the biggest suicide bomber carrier ever? You know, (laughs) they seem to be very particular about the power of self-destructs, because people are so so hot and heavy on it. They made some statements recently about self-destruct not really affecting ships outside of the ship. It really just blows the ship up itself, right? I can't imagine them making a difference on, on that. I, I do think that the Super Collider might make a really good addition for a racing carrier. So you could have the Super Collider and the hangar and carry around your racing vehicles and tune them up before races and things like that. That might be kind of cool. Oh, yeah. Definitely didn't think of that. That would be awesome, actually. Mobile carriage. Yeah, so yeah. it has a nice nice um, lot of... The Endeavor has a lot of roles it can perform, and I think that's a very interesting. Yeah, he talked about that on the... Uh, or not the racing carrier bit, but how the hangar bay module works. And the way I think that the super collider... I don't think you can have the hangar bay attached because the super collider takes up too many slots or boxes. So they, they haven't said anything explicitly about you not being able to use a super collider with a, uh, a hangar bay. So maybe you're right, Jeff. I don't know, but we I have our suspicions. Like that. <laughs> so now, uh, what else? Uh, Mike's still yours. Uh, you've probably, probably already talked this to death, but no, no, uh, no, no. Does Mike is yours? <laughs> the whole, you know, Derek Smurf and Escapist and um, uh, all the other wonderful things. So I'm I'm a little closer to some of this stuff than I guess physically, the average citizen. Yes. Yes, physically. Yeah, I actually, I actually do live in live in Austin, and I have known some people that have worked at Sig, and I've known people that, etc. I've heard enough things to know that some of the things that they say are true enough to have come from some people, and I also know that a, a lot of what's being said is is hyperbole and opinion from the author's points of view, right? right. So specifically with with Mister Esquire, um, King Leader, whatever, and. I think that's the, 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 the most dangerous thing about a lot of this stuff is that a lot of truth gets mixed in there with the stuff that's opinion. And there's not a lot of, I mean, opinions both from the author's point of view and opinions from, how to put this, uh, you know, potentially aggrieved parties. So, so, yeah, so people that, I mean, if you leave a company for one reason or another, you're, you're mad, right? And you may actually be telling the truth in your view of things, and you may also be uh, exaggerating things, you know, for one reason or another. And I think all this stuff kind of gets mixed up. So whenever you read any of this stuff, you know, I guess that's a general message to the, to the, the public, you know, take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> Good advice always, but in this instance in particular, yes. I mean, the only thing that, that, that is troubling, really, at the end of the day, is the stories of money, 
right? I mean, and honestly, I'm personally not worried about it. If SIG were to run out of money, and I don't think that they are not in the immediate term, if they were to run out of money, I think that there's enough lines of credit probably available, and I think there are enough uh, potential angel investors where uh, Star Citizen, we would still get a video game. <laughs> and right. I don't think it would be the end of the world if, 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 if Chris took an investor that, 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 that brought a little sanity to whatever, whatever is going on. Yes. Uh, as, as, as I was mentioning earlier, my idea is not the only way to do this. That would also yeah. work. Yeah, I guess I guess back to the whole heckling point. I don't I don't have a lot of um, faith that that would actually pan out correctly the way you're you're talking about, uh, Tony. Uh, oh, I sure. Think the, uh, <laughs> I think dividing up the companies, especially if it's one per person, I think there would be so many complications in that with people that say, well, you know, this is how much I pledge. Why am why am why is the guy getting forty dollars getting the same yeah. say as the guy that spent four thousand, right? The, the the short the short answer um, before without getting too technical is that uh, that would completely detach any monetary value from the share and make it easy to give it away. If there is monetary value attached to it, then you start getting into SEC reg problems. But if you just give it away on some sort of you know not money basis, then it really is free, and then you, I know, see, you, don't, I you see. don't trip some regs doing that. But yeah, no, no. I mean, I know that what my way is. It would be very expensive to try to figure out a way to make that happen. You know, I don't, I'm not saying that that's the only way it needs to happen, but having a level of supervision like an angel investor would bring. Jeff's concern, of course, being that, well, now somebody wants to see a profit off of it. Yeah, but if they're only in for 25%, they're not in control, but they do have input. And input that you have to listen to because they just saved your ass. Right, right, yeah. And again, I think, um, well, I guess one other thing on that subject is the, you know, they, they talk about burn rates, right? Both right. in both those articles. And um, I actually, in some ways, well, I, I believe those burn rates, they make sense, right? I mean, they mm-hmm. have, the number of developers was public, the number of, et cetera, it's all public. You know, the cash on hand, I guess, is the, the debatable point there, really. Right. Either way, um, I think one, one thing has been made clear to me by, I guess, a couple of people that I've talked to is that the burn rate that they have and the ship production timeline that they have is that it costs more to make a ship than they earn from a ship. And so it's, I mean, I guess this is probably something that goes back to what you were saying earlier in the uh, podcast, that it makes a lot of sense for them to get Squadron 42 out, not simply to, to, to satisfy original backers, which I am one, so I don't, you know, I'll get to that point in a minute, but not, not simply because of that, but I think Squadron 42 is a key piece of the revenue pie for them. Because that's something sure. that they can act. That's a product they can actually sell at the end of the day, that doesn't cost more to make than they possibly got out of it, right? Right. And I think you know, uh, it, it makes a lot of sense for them to push forward to that to that a lot, which is what you're seeing, I guess, right now. They talk about restructuring. They're talking about Aaron getting more resources, etc. And uh, I guess that's really what we're seeing is them trying to get to a point where uh, making money is is something they can actually do, rather than than simply. Uh, Shoveling it <laughs> right into right, the engineering right. fireplace that it's always so to say. Yeah, well, that's a good. That's a good point. Ken, you were mentioning about the original backer, and you had a point there. I'm an original backer. I was, you know, I, I, I start. I my, my my registered my account on September 13th, and I pledged whenever it was for, first time I could, October 10th or whatever. I was at the 1010 event actually, because it was here in Austin, and. You know, I, I feel like, you know, I've, I've got as, about as much as invested as an original backer can possibly have. 
And you look at how many original backers there are, and really, and then you look at how many people that are actually complaining about, oh, you didn't deliver this and this and this. And for the most part, they're not the same people. I mean, there's a right. couple of there's a couple of exceptions, but there's a large number of people that didn't pledge during the pledge to Kickstarter, et cetera, and they're just using this as an excuse. So whenever anybody says that to me, oh, they're not delivering on their original Kickstarter goal, I, you know, the first thing I do is I look at their pledge date, and nine times out of ten, it's like 2014 <laughs> or 2015 or something like that, and they're just complaining to complain. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't highly have sympathy for that argument in any way, shape, or form. I am 100% with you there because I am an original backer, and I, I agree wholeheartedly. Oh, you two I, I get a room. It, <laughs> <laughs> I think people complain just for just to hear their voice, or you know, they haven't thought it through all the way. I mean, some of the complaints on there that I've I've seen, it's like, what field did that come out of? Left, probably. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I don't know why lots of people do complain. I mean, I, I know I know some people are some people feel aggrieved, and some people feel like they've invested a lot, and then for whatever reason they want to get out of it, right? And this seems to be a good way for them to say, "Oh, this is a good way for me to get out. If I yell out enough now, maybe I'll get a refund or whatever." And and it all seems to be a bunch of uh, this 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 minority of people say that 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 do want to get out. This is their their method of, of jumping in that fire. Yeah, I mean, as somebody who was a latecomer to the show myself, like Tony was saying earlier, we've kind of got the full spectrum. Jeff the early, Tony the sort of mid, and me the, the guy who sort of trailed six months behind everybody else. When I showed up, I knew that we'd gone past the Kickstarter thing, and I kind of saw the beginnings of what is now the scope of the game and so that's actually what I pledge for personally so I know that I'm not looking to withdraw my money yet but I can see how some people might have put it in because this happens on Kickstarter time and time again they put money in and then they don't realize it's going to be like a couple of years before you get a payout from that as it were you know you won't get any goods any game any modules anything like that for a couple of years so I think that a lot of people probably put their money in and then it's almost like buyer's remorse, you know? Like, they've handed it over, they think, yeah, this is going to be great. Oh, wait, what, 24 months? That's that's a long time. Yeah, again, I think a lot of people that, that even have that buyer's remorse, they're really mad about something else, right? Yeah. They had some sort of argument on the forum. They're another, what's that guy's name? That PCG whatever, that guy from Brazil that that freaked out about team speak in the game or something yes. like that. And yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it, I, I think it, it ends up, if you boil it down a little bit, there's some other reason they're leaving. It's not only because the game is taking a while to make, there's something else there. And that's the usually the real reason they're asking for Something didn't back. fit with their personal vision of how the game should turn out. Exactly, yeah. exactly. What they should do is they should get a podcast and then build their own game like we do here. I love the game <laughs> we're building. Way to get those suggestions out there, and then sure, absolutely. The feature you have listed to me will definitely be happening. So, uh, Mr. Kinshadow, before we let you go, uh, do you have any parting remarks? Keep your chin up, I guess. And uh, oh, I keep making whole bunches of stuff, so look for me around. I just made a Cards Against Humanity expansion for Star Citizen. Awesome. <laughs> it's called Van Duel Against Humanity. You can check oh, it out on the um, RSI. Uh, fan art forum, sub-forum thing, I think. Community Hub? Oh, and I'm doing a uh, Machinima series, too, with Legante and a bunch of other people, too, called uh, Cathcart Public Access. So you can check that out, too. Do you happen to be making a uh, Argo Bay door or something? You know, I, I was 
they made a Fallout vault door to, as the entrance to a working one as the entrance to their game room. And it was like, oh, that would be cool, but I want one in Star Citizen theme. That definitely sounds very cool. I, I don't, if, I, if I start getting into home improvement projects, that will definitely be the first on the list. All right, Ken Shadow, thanks for stopping by. It's always a pleasure to hear from you, sir. Thanks, guys. Keep doing what you do. All right, buddy. Thanks a lot. All right, back to the feedback. Evangel, in 84 words, says, I think that making CIG a corporation would give the wrong impression. CIG isn't making Star Citizen to make a profit, but rather because they had a vision of the best damn space sim. I backed the uh, Star Citizen project because I wanted the vision they had to become reality, not to see the financial return on my pledge. CIG does tell us indirectly where our money goes. Monthly reports, module updates, deep dives, ATV, Gamescom demo, etc. All to tell us exactly where our money has gone. Yeah, just on that note very quickly, I think one thing that I want to bring up again is that they do tell us what they are spending the money on. And I think people have this really bizarre perception that backer funds is in some way equivalent to, you know, tax dollars. It's like public money. It's it's never once been said, we need X to build Y. I mean, it, in the early days, that was sort of the impression that was given was, if you give us $2 million, we can make this game. But once you get into the territory of stretch goals, they were saying things like, oh, give us a million and we'll give you a space plant. Or give us a million and you'll get a gun for your FPS. They, they never said, we require one million to build a gun. Don't forget that people there were stretch goals in the er, in the in the early process before they moved on to these um ship sales and stuff and people did get the impression that that's what we were going to receive for those dollars that we spent at that time between each stretch goal yeah which is um, which is fine i mean we we will receive those items i'm not doubting that at all what i'm saying is that when the stretch goal went up it was if you give us another million dollars we will give you a gun it was never. This, we yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt million. you, Lena, but this exactly right here is the difference between the early Kickstarter backers yes. and people that came along later. This difference of perception, this is exactly it. Because in the early days, it, the impression was we need X to fund Y. That is exactly not how it was later on. Yeah, exactly. But even then, I didn't. That's what we were, you know, that's what we were in this for. It wasn't to get that next stretch goal item. I, I was hoping that we were building a game that would have all this cool stuff in it. Yeah, exactly. And um, the, the point that I'm basically trying to make, though, is that even in the early Kickstarter campaign, what I think a lot of people need to realise is that even though Chris was asking $2 million, that was $2 million to cover absolutely everything from if I need to take three years out of the industry to get this made, I'm going to need a salary of, I don't know, $120,000 million a month or whatever. You know, it covers that sort of thing. It doesn't... I'm going to interrupt you again, Jalen. I'm sorry. Again, this is the this is the difference between the early people and the late people. Early people were under the impression that Roberts was going to take this money, and this was the, the sales pitch, as proof to a publisher or to other yes. investors that this kind of game had legs. And then he was going to go get investors to come do this. That perception changed. And by the time that people like me and people like Lennon came along, that was not the model anymore. And this is why this is so confusing and weird, because there's the there's the dichotomy between the people who are here early and the people that have come into the project since. And that has, that, and that line, that, that separation is not clear. It's a big fuzzy line right through 2013 and 2014. So it's very, very complicated and very, very weird. 
Yeah, no, I can I can completely concede that. And yeah, I did forget about the publisher bit there. But I think the point still stands that even still, the money was raised not to pump directly into making a particular product, as it were, but it goes into things that support making the product. You know, if, if you're literally just paying for an artist, paying for um, visual studio licenses, paying for service base, that doesn't take that much money. What you're paying for is the people with the creative vision, the people who have to take the time out of doing other things in order to come and do this. And I think that, as, as I kind of loosely put it once before, I think having any sort of forensic level accounting is just going to open up a whole bag of worms because you're going to see money being spent on things like flights, meals, uh, hospitality treatments, you know, who's then to say that people aren't going to say, oh, what, Chris is on $28 billion an hour, well, that needs to be cut back, because that's not what I pledge for. You know, it's it's that sort of thing that I think is going to be harmful in the long run. This is and where so, Kinsho is talking about, there's a, a little bit of truth, but a lot of it could be hyperbole, you yeah. know, just as a quick numerical example, let's say I gave $100, and I come to find out that Chris Roberts, over the course of the last three years, has taken 10% of that home as compensation, okay? And let's also say further that one of the allegations that has been made is that there were vacations, right? Personal vacations that the company paid for. Let's say that we go do through all the receipts and we find out that, well, what actually happened was that the company bought the airplane tickets, Roberts paid them back out of his salary, but somebody forgot to pay for the kids' tickets. Now, a grand total of $1,000 may have been, quote, improperly spent. It was improperly spent. There's no denying it. Yeah. But on the grand scheme of things, not a big deal. Yeah. There's truth there. Oh, my God, there's truth there. It actually happened. It did happen that way. But there's maybe some other facts that we're not fully aware of. And we're never going to know them unless we do the forensic accounting, which will tear the company apart and ruin everything. So let's have an angel investor. Let's make a corporation. Let's do something other than what we're doing now. Well, what my point was trying to be to bring it back to Evangel's feedback was I think that the monthly reports showing us the progress being made is a clear enough intention of where all the money is going. Like, what I'm trying to say is that I actually agree with him here. Uh, that what I disagree, but well, that's but, fine. but, but it's, it's it's but it's sort of wheel spinning really at this point. Okay, Peter in 104 words edited down to 98. I say let it go to court and be thrown out. Isn't the first lawsuit that went nowhere, and it won't be the last. Let's decide on facts, not grudges, and RSI has the right to do whatever it wants with the money they get. There is no fraud. There is no incompetence, and there is already a huge amount of work, and the results can be displayed. The idea that we need shareholders group is pretty ludicrous, in my opinion. You don't get a share if you buy a game or a beta or a Greenlight Steam project. All true, but I've already, in my open letter to Derek Smart, which he dismissed in a rude sort of fashion. You know, I I outlined the reasons why I think this thing would survive a motion to dismiss and go on to the part where things get embarrassing and sticky. There's a lot of open questions about the law. There's a lot of open questions about what duties people owe to who. And I don't think a judge would act quickly. He would be careful. He would be conservative. He would say, hmm, interesting. Let's see where this goes a little bit. I, it's, I don't think this is a one-and-done kind of court case. And that's if he brings it. He hasn't filed it. He can now, but he it's, it's, in, it's, it's up to him. He has the initiative here. He can sit back and watch this circus go on for as long as he wants to, and then if it's not circusy enough for him, he can restart the circus. So we're just sort of stuck waiting. 
All right, can we bring in our next guest? Yes, our next guest is a fellow by the name of Amontillado. Welcome to the show, Amontillado. Hey, guys. Happy Friday. Yes, happy Friday. Hey. Oh, Saturday. Saturday from Saturday. Yes. Lennon's from the future. He rubs that in constantly. <laughs> it's the silver pants. It goes right to his head. This means he's older. Well, that's true. Well, uh, I don't know, Jeff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the mic is yours, sir. What should we talk about, Amontillado? Tell us. Well, I uh, I wanted to talk about the uh, you know last week's idea that CIG should shift to the corporate structure. Um, sure. You went over it a little bit with uh, Ken Shadow, and basically my concern there is that it sort of subverts one of what I consider Star Citizen's greatest strengths to be, and that's you know the idea that an artist, Chris Roberts in this case, is given the ability to go out and actually realize his vision without you know getting watered down by suits and folks concerned by you know other things in the actual game i gave chris roberts my money and i put trust in him and his vision not some board of directors that i have no idea you know what their track record is and what they've done in the past and their capabilities i wouldn't want to mess up chris's joy project if i were him one of the big draws would be the fact that hey you know finally after all the time i can show people what i've always wanted to and i don't have you know publisher or a board of directors holding me back that's more risk there but you know that's that's kind of the point of kickstarting you know you're you're looking for people with a passion for what it is you want to do that you know aren't bound by the bottom line well now let me let me stop you there everyone's bound by the bottom line i mean at some point the money does run out right yes and you know that's the the trust issue but as far as I'm concerned. I'm not concerned with the bottom line. I'm concerned with the game. That's the focus. It's not a return on investment that I'm looking for, other than getting a, a, an awesome game. Right. And there, there's this is fertile ground because this is a complex issue. I want to just maybe tease out a couple of I don't, some sort of uh, threshold type things. The great thing, in my opinion, about the wonderful idea that I have is that if there's a majority of people who agree with you, Amontillado. Guess who gets elected chairman of the board? Well, it would be Chris Roberts. Exactly. But so if, the risk there is that it's not. And that's yeah. how, you know, that's how whoever who started this company and was great loses his own company because of some stupid... Uh, no, no, that no, no, happens. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. There's the other part of this, too, is that even if Chris doesn't get elected chairman of the board, he could still very well be hired as the CEO. So he's no longer chairman of the board, but he is hired as the guy that's supposed to run the project day to day. But wait, there's more. Even if he's not hired as CEO, whatever board, hypothetical board comes in here, would be absolutely stupid not to hire him on as the creative director or executive visionary, whatever you want to call it. It would be stupid to not have him around to finish making the game. Again, pie in the sky, totally hypothetical, throwing ideas out. There's really no way Chris doesn't finish the game with my idea. I don't think. There's no practical way that doesn't happen. But what the board would do, no matter who winds up on it, would basically say that we've seen, we've looked at the books, we've looked at it, we've evaluated the thing, we've evaluated all the stuff. This has been done so well, there's no reason to make any changes. Steady as she goes. And then, but, you know, maybe there's some nuance. Maybe there's some things that weren't done so great. Here's the thing. Tell you what, we just want to keep a level of oversight, but you continue to run day-to-day operations. And if you look at it and things aren't going so hot, Let's say 10% of the things that have been accused of out there are true. Let's say 10%. That's not so great. How about we keep him on as the guy that runs the the creative vision, make all the art go through him, make the level design go through him, whatever. But let's 
let's have a different group of people sort of run the books. Like like Jeff was saying, outsourcing the HR, right? Let's take these sort of things off your plate, the mechanical crap that you don't really need to deal with, and let's take them out and put them over here. Stay in charge of the game part. But let's take this day-to-day stuff off your plate and have somebody else run it. I, I would have concern with uh, with the with the risk there that the folks making those decisions aren't aren't down with the vision. But again, the idea is that the the shareholders who elect those people are the people that have backed or the people that have registered their usernames at CIG. This is the club that would be electing those people. So theoretically speaking, if you can get enough votes from this community to be elected to the board of directors, you should already be on board with the vision. I'm not talking about bringing in some sort of random people from the outside or you know hiring other yeah, game I, I'm you know, just, people. I'm just concerned that you've lost uh, you've lost control there, and you know we can we can assume and we can hope that the right people would get uh, elected and the the right people would be voting. But there are people out there very much looking for this project to fail, and uh, you're sort of open the door and, and let them stick their foot in. Uh, that would be my concern anyway. It's it's a valid one. It is it is a valid concern. Amontillado, it is CitizenCon in approximately a week's time. Uh, what do you think we're going to see? Oh, I'm excited for it. They've said we're going to see the, the star map. I really want to take a look at that. They've hinted at uh, some bits of Squadron 42. Um, I know they're not going to want to spoil any of it, but you know anything basically that I can see of Squadron 42 will, uh, will be great. Speaking of Squadron 42, uh, changing the subject just a little bit, I think the the money issue that folks are talking about, they're running out of money. What they need to do is have enough money to finish Squadron 42. Then once that's done, we're talking a whole new revenue source, people going out and buying a retail version of a game. And, you know, that game has already been paid for. Uh, all that money, what, whatever extra is coming in, go toward uh, Star Citizen. But, uh, but back toward uh, CitizenCon, I'm really, really, really looking forward to seeing something about the character generation, the, the the faces, the animation, whatever. That's the real big part of the game that that is sort of uh, blank right now. I'm Did you weigh in on the character height thing? That was, I think, um, I sort of started that. Uh-huh. So, yeah, the uh, character height is very important to me. I'm a role player. I'm about characters. An example that I've used in, in other arguments is what version of Robin Hood have you seen where Robin Hood and Little John are the same size? Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. it, there's a reason why storytellers don't do that, and it's it's telling that Chris Roberts himself knows this. And in Squadron 42, they're using multiple skeletons with characters of different heights because it's important physical presence. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that we're going to see um, a lot of good stuff about Squadron 42. And a, a question that I've not asked any other backers, and so this is kind of open to the room as a whole, not just Amontillado. Do you think that there will actually be a lot of people who will purchase Squadron 42 that haven't already backed? Like, do you think that's a big market, or do you think everybody's already signed up? I think it is a big market. You know, Wing Commander uh, was very successful, and um, a lot of those people that haven't bought into the whole Kickstarter pledge thing are going to see something on, you know, whatever the, the vehicle is that they're selling it. Are they putting it on store shelves? I don't know. Probably Let's just say not. Steam as a minimum, you know. But yeah, okay, Steam. I mean, Steam's going to be huge if they put it on uh, uh, Squadron 42 on Steam. That's going to be huge. I'm still finding people that are avid video game players that have not heard of Star Citizen. And uh, Actually, I think I can even tell you how big that market is with some degree of certainty. Would you like to hear a number? Sure. Uh, I believe that market is approximately 223,000 
219 people. You're going by the uh, number of fleet members, but not backers? Yep. That's the difference between people who are registered, quote, active citizens, and the UEE fleet. Now, of course, some people have multiple shifts, blah, blah, blah. But there's at least 200,000 people that have signed up, registered an account, but haven't chipped in yet. So, you know, 200,000 copies at 50, 60 bucks a pop, not chump change. And then there's the folks that haven't done anything with the with the franchise yet. Right. Yeah. Not registered or bought. So yeah, uh, it's a it's 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 a it's an excellent point. It's a valid point. Um, but I and I I do think that the sooner they ship a completed functional game, the better. But then we go back to the tension of releasing something buggy and incomplete, make a deadline, versus releasing something polished and way late, and dealing with the continued you know hoopla that we have now there's no right answer to that question but uh it's a judgment call that's got to be made and needs to be made sometime in the next two and a half months you know two months or so all right you get the last word amontillado play us off johnny the endeavor it needs a uh top hangar bay yes (laughs) yes it does it does you're not asking for a pocket carrier you want like a backpack carrier that's still a pocket carrier and (laughs) But yeah, they're talking about uh, the symmetry and it's it's uh, it's necessary for the thruster placement and whatnot. Um, maybe my understanding's not all that great, but uh, you're in space, and I would think that vertical symmetry is just as important as horizontal, isn't it? Uh, I don't know, but um, but yeah, and, and you've got the room there, so hey, put another uh, hospital bay or whatever you want to put up there, but uh, put two of them on there. I was just looking over the uh, the way that it all fits together. I don't think there's any reason why we couldn't stick a hangar bay underneath a hangar bay and then stick another hangar bay underneath that one. Kind of like how the hull series has the boxes that just build out from the spines. That's a good idea too. Yeah. Now you're not talking about, you're talking like a luggage set carrier. Not a pocket carrier, not a backpack carrier, like the whole full Samsonite luggage set carrier. Yeah, well, you know, it includes your your carry-on as well as your hold, so... Exactly, yeah. There's going to be a baggage fee for that, I'm telling you right now. All right, Amontillado. Well, uh, thanks for calling in. Good to hear from you again, as always. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll see you next time on the next Colin show, I'm sure. Take care. All right, buddy. All right, should we do, like, one more set of feedback and then close the show? Um, possibly. I reckon it's going to be pretty long anyway, but... Oh, well, yeah, that, cool. well, then we can skip more feedback because then we'll have plenty for next week. And, oh, for next my week. Lord, we still have plenty to go. I was going to say, it's not going anywhere, so... <laughs> That's true. If you didn't hear your feedback in this show, trust me, it hasn't gone away. We'll, we'll get to some version of it. Whether you limited it to 100 words or not, we'll read some version of it on the uh, on the show next time. So uh, bear with us as we, uh, as we digest it all. But uh, all right, well, uh, let's finish her off then. So how was the show? Were we cellular, modular, interactive modular, or was it all just a bunch of bananas? Either way, let us know. Here's some ways you can get in touch with us. Check out our forum post at forums.robertspaceindustries.com. Leave a comment on this episode's show notes at guardfrequency.com. You can subscribe to us, feeds.guardfrequency.com, or find us on iTunes. You can hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak or leave a comment and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak. And if you're old school like us, shoot an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback's an important part of what we do, so take a minute. Tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of episode 91 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 92 on October 13th, so be sure to keep an eye out for our shows over at the guardfrequency.com website or the official Robert Space Industries fansite subforum. Please send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways we just ran down, you can also use the contact form on our website. All the details for all the ways that you can get in touch with us can be found in the show notes. 
you like what we do? Want to come help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? If so, just send a note to squawk at guardfrequency.com. And don't forget about our sister production, Priority One. They cover Star Trek Online and the greater Star Trek universe. Head on over to PriorityOnePodcast.com to check them out. Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? Check out our organization, Guard Frequency Response, at the official RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash guardfreak. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights, you should join us live over at guardfrequency.com forward slash live. We start recording around 11 p.m. Central. That's Saturdays at 5 a.m. GMT. We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivery Bean Lowmaster, our artists, Ben Sanders and Simon Chorton Edwards, our staff writer, Jeff Grant, our audio engineer, Michael Duncan, and everybody who called in this evening. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit ronaldjenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. You know what I'll do? I'll turn off the background music. Oh, that doesn't make a difference. Um, oh, okay. Well, I guess Good, it at least patrons. I'm irrelevant. I'm just. So uh, he's gonna go and check with Shiv, and we'll make good radio in the meantime. And I don't want my entire singing. <laughs> All right, Jeff. Jeff, calm yourself. Calm yourself. Oh, easy. Sorry, easy. You said make good radio, and that's what we always do when we do. Well, but radio. see, the last time I made good radio with the Jeopardy theme, and like the whole thing got put in the blooper reel. All right, Benno. So unfortunately, uh, our time here was. Brief, well, but let's give him the last word, though. He gets the the tender. Word. I know, I know. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Hence why, you know, I'm building him up, leading him in gently. A little bit of audio oh. foreplay, if you like. Jeff, but good radio. Imagine I'm a tambourine. You can't stop when I say imagine I'm a tambourine, guys. you got to keep going. We didn't. It just got to the quiet part and TeamSpeak didn't pick us up. Oh, See, me and Jeff oh. understand musical dynamics, Tony. Katro, welcome to the show, Katro. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, hey, Katro, we can hardly hear you. Uh, let me move my mic closer. Is this better? Yeah, I'm getting there. Maybe, yeah, just can you touch it up just a little bit more? Yeah, give me one second. I just reinstalled TeamSpeak. Oh, no problem. How's that? Oh, beautiful. Yeah, much beautiful. better. Yeah. Okay, right. so I'm just going to sort of do the intro bit again, just so we got you a consistent volume, if that's cool. So um, I dragged you into the channel, and then I said, Katro, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. Oh, then he got quiet again. And then he got quiet again. <laughs> well, that's unfortunate. All right, I'll have to hold it in front of my face like this. This works right here? Yeah, that's, yes. that's fine. All right, I'm going to hold it right here. Okay, okay. so I'm going to do that once more. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, welcome to the blooper reel, by the way. Don't get me started on jump points. Oh, man. You said these are full size. They're full size. It's cool. Just chill. (laughs) We're fine. These are long jump points, not mini jump points. (laughs) Yeah, but how are you going to practice finding them unless there's little ones that only go a short way? I'm done. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, I I like listening to Kin Shadow. Jeez, dude, you should have a podcast. It's great. Yeah, you should have a podcast. (laughs) Hey, wait a minute. We don't need any more competition. Well, it's not really competition. Anyway. Ooh, ouch. (laughs)
the mic is yours, sir, and uh, I will pronounce your name correctly. Lennon already has pronounced your name correctly, and then we'll let Jeff foul it up in his own unique and fun way. So Amontillado. I'm paid to do that. Why That's do you true. keep doing <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. Paid? Well, yeah, it's God. part of my annual salary, which is zero. I just wait for your perfect attendance bonus to kick in. It's a 30% bonus. That's me. That's the sound of me shutting up and letting other people talk. It's just so unfamiliar. I wasn't too sure what to do. <laughs> I had no idea. This is me shutting up, letting you guys talk. <laughs> it's just so unfamiliar. It's uh, oh, I can't get rid of him. I always have issues getting rid of one person. Today it's you, Amontillado. There we go. Perfect. That's right. <laughs> he right. can stick around. He makes good radio. He can. Except I've just figured out how to get rid of him. So sorry. I know oh, that let's finish her off then could be the thing that you cut and then we, I lead into. So how was the show? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, I said like a segue. Like a segue. You've done this before, haven't you? I have. I have on a couple of occasions. Yes. 90 <laughs> times at least. And there's a priority one. So it's like, I, I can't even count. I don't even wow. Know. You're good. But anyway, that's the sound of me shutting up and letting other people talk.